Well, we did it, folks. We did it. We made it to another week. Uh, we are here for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. Thank you all for joining me so much. I want to thank Website Amp and, of course, Running Aces, Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Uh, my name is Jim Reed, a blusterini in the home game. And if you want to find out about me, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, because that's where you can find out all about the wrecking crew and the other fine folks that are on it, including these two fine folks that are joining me tonight. Fine folks, why don't you share a little bit about yourself with the Rec Poker Nation? I'm John Somsky, and I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Fergie 56 in the home game, and I am Pet Bed everywhere else. And just like every week, we are battling it out in the nightly home game, trying to steal each other's chips and get one step closer to that elusive and coveted silver pin. And just like every week, we are taking a post from the Rec Poker forums, and we're talking about it here on the show. So tonight, we are looking at a post by Chapo, one of our uh, Australian members who wins the Drove Furthest to Be Here Tonight Award. Um, he's not actually in the booth, unfortunately. We like it when Choi joins us, but we didn't get him tonight. I happen to know we'll be talking to him again sometime soon, though. So this is a uh, post in the forums that Choi wrote. The subject says, final table hand, every part of this made me uncomfortable in so many levels. <laughs> <laughs> and that is something that will happen on final tables from time to time um, because you get into some pretty gross spots. So it's, it's, we'll all cover the action here and then we'll talk about a few comments that were made in the forums. Again, we're not going to be able to cover all the great stuff that goes on in the forums here. You really should go to rec.poker, get a free account. All it takes is an email and a smile. And then you can go and check out the forums yourself. You can see all the great feedback that everybody puts there. Ask your own questions. And premium members are welcome to come join the show and uh, share your thoughts right here with the rest of the Rec Poker Nation. So we'll go through the action anyway, but you should go check it out um, yourself. You'll get a lot more out of it. So in this case, Chapo, our friend Troy, gets dealt the 10 of clubs and the 10 of diamonds and raises. Uh, at this point, the blinds are at uh, 400,000, 800,000. This is a final table, as we say. Um, raises 120,000 to 200,000 total. I think I screwed up the math there a little bit, but the raise is 120 to 200. Um, two and a half big blinds. Two and a half big blinds, yes. Perfect. From a 47 big blind stack, I think. And that's really important because as you know, when you get to the final table, the chip stacks are crucial and it really matters. This is where ICM pressure comes to play. We talked a bit about ICM over the last few weeks and this is going to be a great uh, example of that. So uh, we open to 2.5. We get a call. There's a, a, a three bet up to 680,000. So about three, about three and a half uh, times the stock that we've been in. Really? I thought it was okay. like six big blinds. Uh, let me see. What we, we raised to two, we raised to 200,000. Um, he makes it 680. So yeah. maybe seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's good. And then eight big blinds, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, and then the hero calls and the original caller as well also calls. So we're three headed going to the flop and we get a, and, and we are first action. So we get a pretty good flop for pocket tens. The flops, the nine of clubs, three of diamonds, four of spades. So it's a rainbow flop 
uh, nine high with the low straight on the table, but really not much else. And in a three bet pot, that low straight shouldn't really be too much of a factor when you're, when you're factoring in people's hands. Can I think some... it's, yeah, I think it's important to mention here because we're at final table and we've got pay jumps with every position. Mm. We do have a short stack on the table. They're not in this hand. And there's a short stack with about 10 big blinds on the table. Ah. So I think that's really important to note here because everybody else has 30 big blinds or more. I think. Great point. And, and, it, and it really, I can't reinforce this enough. It doesn't matter that that player is not in the hand because it's a final table situation. Just their presence at the table should affect Troy's strategy in this hand because um, there's, there's as, as we'll see, there's a real incentive uh, for Troy and the other players to let this player lose first um, and to ladder up and, and get a bigger payout. So just like we talk about anticipation being a skill that we can use pre-flop, um, knowing what the ICM situation is, is, is something you have to have in your mind, not just with the players that are in the hand, but just all the players that are at the table. Um, so in this case, the flop comes nine of clubs, three of diamonds, four of spades. We're holding 10-10. And I think we're going to be checking to the aggressor with almost our entire range here, I would expect, in a three-bet pot like this that's gone multi-way. And that's what, that's what Hero does. Um, Chapo checks. The original caller checks as well. And then the three-better uh, makes a bet of 775, uh, about uh, almost 800,000, about half pot, uh, half which pot. is slightly yeah. larger than the original three-bet. Um, Hero calls. And this is the really interesting spot. So then the middle position player who called in the first time re-raises a, a shove. So before we even get into the future action, the board is nine, three, and four. This player called an open raise, then they called a three bet, then they checked the flop, and now they've shoved uh, over the C bet. So the C better folds and it's back to us. And we're sitting there with the, the lowest possible overpair, which I think we have underrepped a bit uh, by the action. So what are we thinking in this spot? There's so many things we could be thinking about. We could be thinking about where we are in distribution of our own range. We could be thinking about the range of the player that's made this uh, check shove. Um, what, what else should we be thinking about? And, and what, what's at the top of our minds now? you guys this board in, yeah. i was ahead, just gonna say th this board is not real conducive to a lot of hands it doesn't hit a lot of hands called pre-flop um so when i see that shove i'm thinking either a larger over pair or a set mm -hmm. um because i mean the you could have something like a five six but that's so unlikely to be calling this pre-flop, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. In an ICM situation like this, um, it, it's it's hardly ever an overpair either. Like, what overpair is it except maybe jacks? Mm -hmm. Like, queens would have probably raised you when you raised pre-flop. Yep. Queens, kings, and aces. Maybe pocket jacks call in an ICM situation. 
but are they ever going to shove when the the three better preflop has all the over pairs? Are they ever going to put their entire stack on my on on the at risk in an ICM situation? There's no two pairs that they could possibly have on this, and this just screams a set to me. Like it just screams a set. Like it it almost can't be anything else. <laughs> Like I can't think of a possible bluff it can be. Like right, even it's if not it a very good board pair, for a it's, Right, it's if it's jacks, they're beating tens anyway. Right. right. So I can't think of a possible hand that could be bluffing here. If we had a flush draw on there, then I could say maybe five six mm -hmm. suited with a backdoor flush draw. But we have a rainbow flop. We have nine, three, four in an ICM spot. And it's just not likely for these players to get it in to put their whole stack at risk like that without something like a set. And, and I think we can even say, even if he does have exactly five, six, um, that's the only hand that we're beating here. And it actually has decent equity against us. Um, it's not. It's not like it's. It's got uh, eight clean outs there to the nuts. Um, so, uh, I mean, if if that's the case, is there enough bluff combos in the range, given the odds? I can't think of any. Right. Can you think of any? <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. And so we, we're in a position where we've got you know, in a way, a really, really perfect bluff catcher, right? Like we're blocking some of those top pair hands, those nine, 10 hands that they might choose to do it with. Um, and we're, we're beating all the draws. We don't really have, a, you know, we got two outs to improve when we're behind. Um, but, but is this a spot where our opponent's range even just has enough bluffs in it to be playing a, a bluff catcher? It's, it's tricky. It's, I, I always struggle in these spots where someone's made a C-bet in a board that they should be C-betting at a high frequency. And that kind of creates an opportunity to bluff raise. And so some players are only going to do that with good bluffing candidates, but some of them are just going to say, well, I'm just going to bluff this guy and they're going to do it with any thing. And they're going to be like, well, he has to fold. It, and it makes me wonder. Like that's rare. At a final table, though, with ICM, oh, people are point. pretty relatively honest in, in a lot of ways. So they have huge equity to their bluffs, like they have huge equity. That's a great I, point. I'd like to take this back to the pre-flop action, mm. if we can. Yeah. Which you went right. through pretty I did. quick. I did. All right. Well, tell you what, Kim, let me, uh, let's hear what Jonathan Little has to say about this, and then we'll get right back into that pre-flop action. Wonder whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What? What do you do exactly. when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess. And don't stress, just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. There you go. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, so Kim, yeah, I did blow right past that preflop. So let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, let's go back to preflop. So 
we have a standard open with our tens and we have a flat call, which at final table should is rarely a trap, like with mm. an over pair too. I mean, I like we said before, it could be jacks perhaps, depending on that. We don't have any player reads that he's told us about, so we're not sure about that. But it's usually an honest, a fairly honest uh, hand that wants to to hit something, right? Like um, yeah, I think that's right. Speculative hand, and then we have a raise, and then it comes back to us, and I think we have a decision here whether we set mine or whether we just go all in ourselves. We have the flat collar dead money in there and we have the razor squeezing. And depending on this player's profile at that table, if this is a fairly active player, I think we can just rip our own tent, our own stack in there to put pressure on both of the players with all the dead money in there. Um, if we're going to just call here, we have to fold if we don't hit a set. Mm -hmm. Because we're just set mining. <laughs> yep. I think that's a really good point. And we were just talking about forbidding in last week's episode. And, you know, some people, they're afraid to put hands like this in their forbidding range because if he has an aces or kings or queens kind of hand, you know, you're kind of dominated. But that's why you're choosing these spots where you think your opponent has hands like ace king and ace queen and other kind of stuff that maybe they'll even fold some of it. Some of the stuff you're actually doing pretty well against. Um, and they're under ICM pressure too, right? Like there's, right. there's real value to being the one that put in the all in raise. Um, people will fold better hands. Right. We can make all of those cards over Broadway cards over our tens fold. Mm -hmm. We're probably not making, and we may even make Jack's fold. Yeah. yeah with, I the, I, with the short stack on the table, this is where this is a key kind of maneuver. Um, and, but when we have, we have to be so careful when we just flat call, because now we're just turning our tens into a set line. And when we don't hit our set, we should never be putting our chips in the middle. Yeah, that's a good, good insight. And, and, you know, we don't really have the right odds to be set mining at that depth. If that is the way we're playing it, it doesn't mean that that's like, you know, we have a lot of equity in the hand. Um, so that, and because it's a final table, like, I don't think it's nothing wrong with kind of deviating from the norm to take an exploitative spot, but that's even more of an argument for, for just shoving it in my experience. In my game table. That's why I far prefer the shove here yeah. with the dead money from the flat collar. Yeah. I far prefer the shove here and because that's a, yeah. the, the, uh, the range of hands that you're going to make your opponent fold is so much greater than the hands that they're going to call off with. And there's a pretty good pot there already, right? To pick that up. Right. You know, that's, uh, that's very valuable. Um, yeah. And you're going to be out of position for the hand. Yeah. So hmm. as played. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Poker is hard. Uh, we got a good comment in here from Eric Jin uh, Binkley, who's our newest wrecking crew member. I don't know if I'm uh, breaking news here on the show. I might've mentioned it last week, but um, yeah, Kim, we have to put, We've got a newest. We've got a new newest member of the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> Eric's been hosting uh, the Peel events on uh, Wednesday night. They've been a lot of fun. 
Um, and uh, so Eric Binkley writes in here, um, there's a lot of ICM pressure being the middle stack uh, with 47 big blinds with the store, with the shorty still left there. And um, he also seems to say that as played at the end, it's hard to fold here. Um, but being, a, being aggressive pre-flop in single raised pots is different than being post-flop in multi-way three bet pot, which is a good point. Like this player has chosen this spot to take this line post-flop in this multi-way spot. They don't, I think as Kim said earlier, there's just not going to show up with a lot of bluffs there, given that it's the final table. Um, this might not be as prestigious event as like the monthly tournament of champions or rec poker battling it out for a silver pin, but I'm sure that nevertheless, there's a lot of money on the line here and, and it matters to these guys, uh, guys and gals, how they do. Did we tell the listeners how the hand went? Oh no, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so as it ends up happening, <laughs> yeah. So, um, we get the check raise, the original, um, better folds, and then Troy calls. And the other player did end up having a set of threes and uh, which was one of those hands. It was that, that, you know, they're likely to have in that spot. Um, And as it turned out, the player that folded would have rivered a, uh, a flush, I think. So that's all the, that's all the interesting information that we get out of there. Uh, Yeah. These final table hands are very interesting because I think people, people as a rule kind of don't, really assign the right kind of ICM value to the different stacks at the table. And um, I think this is a spot where, yeah, Troy could have really turned that ICM pressure instead of a liability into a strength um, by coming back over the top there. Even if you think that original three better is going to have a, a pretty strong range. If they have that strong a range, just fold, you know, um, you don't really get in the right odds to set mine, even though it sounds crazy to do it at a final table folding pocket tens. Um, if the action tells you you're not going to win by the end of the hand, uh, just don't get involved in the hand. Wait for a better spot. Yeah, right. that's why I said it was like a, sort of a, a read on the opponent. This is an active mm. sort of a more aggressive opponent that's taking a lot of, they have the big stack on the table and they're taking a lot of these spots to squeeze in. Then I think it's a better spot for us to come over the top pre-flop with the dead money from the flat collar in there. Yeah to put and the ICM pressure back on them. I love that. And, and listen, sometimes you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're going to lose. Sometimes you're going to lose the tournament and you're going to think, damn, why did I four bet shove my tens um, in this spot where of course he's going to call me with aces and Kings and Queens. Um, but the fact is you make a lot of money on those other hands when he folds, you make money uh, when he calls and you win, whether you deserve to or not, you know, like whether, whether he had ace king and no ace or king came or he had aces or kings and a 10 came, like, you know, <laughs> just do the math. If it works out better in the long run, it works out better in the long run. But yeah, you're going to go home sometimes. Um, but that's going to be true every time you don't put your chips in with the nuts. And uh, applying fold equity at a final table it's a great way to make sure that you don't have to go home quite just as soon as you would otherwise, because you got to pick up chips here too and ladder up. So that's, and it, it works much better when there is a short stack at the table. Mm, oh yeah. Everybody's waiting to go out next. Yeah. So, and I guess it also matters if the, I, I don't, I don't recall if Troy actually covered that player or no, the other player, player covered, covered Troy. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they still, it was still a big chunk of their stack. 
And so they mm -hmm. didn't want to lose that hand. They don't want to lose that hand and be the new short stack at the table either. So even though you don't cover them, that doesn't mean you're not threatening their stack, um, which people will factor in. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, any other thoughts, uh, gang, on this particular hand? I'd like to thank uh, Troy for writing it in. Of course, John Somsky and uh, Kim Kilroar for joining me in the group. Um, Kevin, thanks for being here in the chat. And, oh no, website amp and running aces, hotel, racetrack, and casino. Okay, thanks everybody. See you.